This is the Care to Change podcast, and we're glad you've joined us. In today's episode, April will be concluding our series on kids and parenting by discussing when to get help for your kids and what the Bible says with our counselor, Jared Jones. As always, we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. As always, I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us. This month, we've been focusing on parenting issues. We started with how to bring out your best in your kids, talked about connecting, and we've talked about correcting unacceptable behavior. So we've had some really great discussions this month, and I'm sure today will be as well. We have a returning guest with us, one of our therapists, Jared Jones. Jared, thanks for coming. Yeah, it's great to be on here again. So glad that you're here. Today's topic is when to get help for your kids and what the Bible says. And so we've got a a great big open topic here to talk about that we're going to try to fit in. And so let's just dive right in with starting with how do you know as a parent, when is it time to get help for your kids? Yeah. And this is a big question because a lot of parents are just trying to figure out, you know, is this a parenting moment where I just need to enforce discipline to be able to work through this behavior? Or is there something more going on? And really, it's it's difficult to tell. It takes a lot of discernment. And this is where I want to encourage parents to have resources available for them, like other parents to kind of know mm-hmm. when they saw that there was more going on than just what they were able to parent. But let's just preface this by saying there's no perfect parent out there. Yep. You're not going to know the exact right time of when it, this is a more of a parenting moment versus when you need to get your kids help. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different with every single kid. It's going to be different with every parent. But as you as you continue to parent, as you grow as parents, you're going to be able to have better discernment on that. And I have some that like with clients where I see, say, the youngest sibling of, of a set of kids, and they're like, the first one was perfect. Like, whenever they had this problem, we just do this, and it would work out, and they would be good. And then our second kid, like, we did the same thing. But then this third one, like, we're doing this all the same stuff, and it's not working, and it's getting worse. And that's just because every kid's different. Yep. And sometimes you just have to understand that. So the the biggest thing to note is when your parenting strategies aren't working, there's a problem. And that's not just with behavior correction either. When you start noticing your kids are becoming distant, when you start noticing your kids struggling in other areas of their life, they're isolating themselves from their friends or they're not reaching out to try and make time with friends because socializing is really important for kids. When you start noticing a lot of emotional outbursts, you know, especially if if it's unusual for your kid to have those emotional outbursts, they have a harder time managing stress or handling things that they'd normally be able to handle. If you start noticing a lot of distance in your relationship with your kid. Now, sometimes when our kids become teenagers, they become more independent and you start Mm -hmm. feeling that distance because they're trying to to gain their independence, learn their identity and kind of launch from their family identity. But if you notice a, a lot of isolation, they're not coming out of their rooms at all. They're not listening with some of the things that you're asking them to do. They're focused too much on one area of their life, whether that be focusing too much on friends or focusing too much on work. And it's hard to identify which is too much in their life. But when you start to notice that change in patterns and that your normal parenting strategies, even just trying to have a conversation with them or just trying to talk with them, it always ends up in arguments or they're always like 
are getting away from that. They're not listening. And you start to see some of these other problems that they're experiencing. That's your beginning indicator, some of those red flags that, okay, I might need to start talking to someone else about how to help my kid. Right. That irritability, that change is what's important. You know, whether their eating patterns are changing, their sleeping patterns are changing, their friendship patterns, their relating Mm -hmm. patterns, any of that, that changes. Definitely it's time to zero in and kind of get curious about what's happening. We get that call so often. I get it from a lot of people who will say, I'm not sure if I should call you or not, but I thought I would at least ask the question, right? Yep. And I think it's important to let parents know that just because you call and you you have an appointment doesn't mean your your child's in therapy until the day they die. It doesn't mean that you're in therapy till the day they die. Sometimes there's ages and stages that require additional help, right? So, you know, I'm thinking about the physical body. Mm-hmm. You know, when it there's a point when you say, oh, they have a fever, I'm going to give them Tylenol, I'm going to give them rest. And, and then there's a point where you're like, um, you know, I've tried that and it's not working. I probably need to call the doctor, right? And so right. it's sort of that. And I think as parents and in humans, we sort of have intuition that says, well, I think this is a little bit bigger than I was expecting it to be. Maybe I should reach out. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, when it comes to physical health, we have in our culture, we have a much more healthier understanding of how much we can provide versus when it's time to call Mm -hmm. someone else. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's even as much as like, you know, my kids had a fever for five days and it's not really breaking. Not only are you calling the doctor and trying to get it set up, but you're also maybe calling your parents or calling your friends Mm -hmm. who also have kids. You know, you're reaching out for and resourcing yourself to ask like, how do I help my kid right now? You're researching online, like, okay, what is what does this mean? How can I help my kid? And we have a, a much better boundary on that, on mm-hmm. understanding how much can I help as a parent versus how much do I need to help my kids get help? Because this is outside of my responsibility as a parent. We don't have as good of a boundary with that when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. A lot of time parents take on too much responsibility for their kids' mental health, and then they either implement strategies that aren't going to be helpful, Mm -hmm. which will just make your kid feel worse because they think that they're a bad kid, or they let the problem perpetuate. Mm -hmm. And they just say like, oh, this just must be the way that my kid is. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to accept that. And then it'll get to some kind of a breaking point where the the problem gets kind of further beyond what would have been more easily fixable if they would have addressed it sooner. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of get, and this is a continuum. You know, these are two different ends that you can go with. You can either take too much responsibility for your kid's mental health or take too little responsibility for your kid's Mm -hmm. mental health. Neither of which in those extremes is helpful. You got to find that healthy balance in the middle where you're still being a good parent to them and you're still trying to parent them in the way that you know you're responsible for, but also not taking on all of that responsibility for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So going off of that, I did some research on what scripture says about parenting and scripture speaks a lot about it, especially there's a lot of verses in Proverbs. And I'm going to bring up some examples here because I think it's easy to go through a few of the select verses and just kind of cherry pick those out and use that as parenting strategies. And I want to be very careful to say, this is wisdom that we need to live by, but this is not the only wisdom that scripture is trying to teach us. So let me just read some here. Proverbs 13, 24, and I'm reading from the ESV version, says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 22:15 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. 
22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So there's a lot of these that talk about, it uses the language, the rod, which is kind of modern day spanking, if you will, is kind of that same thing. But the the Proverbs aren't just saying, make sure that you discipline your child. Make sure that you give them punishments or else they're going to grow up to be bad. They're not going to grow up in the right way. Now, that's not saying that you should never give out punishments as part of discipline, but discipline's more than punishments. I, I, I try and explain to parents that disciplining your child can be punishment, but punishing your child is not the only discipline. Discipline is, it actually comes from the word disciple, like discipleship, like learning and following after who you're learning from, who, who's teaching you, so that way you can be like them as well. So basically by by doing discipline, you're trying to teach your kids not only to not do what is wrong, but to do what is right. And that can be done through punishment, but also reward as discipline. By giving your kids rewards for doing the right thing, that can actually help them, encourage them to make the right decisions and the right choices in their life. And I want to make sure we're making a point here that we're not discussing the spanking or the rod and we're not giving any sort of um, counsel here on this podcast about that. That's not what we're doing. And and I also want to, because you use the word punishment, I want to clarify this because I think in our modern day world, there's so much conversation about this word punishment. And I think sometimes it's misused. You're using it in terms of a teaching method, right? Yes. And, you know, just like you said, discipline comes from disciple. And the point of parenting is really to shepherd our kids' heart, yes. to disciple them and their character Uh, into becoming young adults and adults, punishment can come from punitive, right? And that is counterproductive when it comes to parenting. So Mm -hmm. A, because this topic is about when to get help for your kids, therapy is not a discipline. Therapy is not a punishment. There's not a, well, you did this and now you, quote, have to go see your therapist or there's something wrong with you. So now you're going to go see your therapist. Like, therapy and counseling is not a punishment. It's not even a discipline. It's a tool to use to improve relationships and emotional regulation as it relates to parenting. Yes. So I want to make it the distinction because I know sometimes parents use the term punish and it's not being punitive with your kids is behavior management. You're going to get the behavior you want changed, but you're not going to save the relationship. And um, you're not going to see long-term change just by using punishment, so to speak. So I just want to make that distinction because, Jared, you're using the word punishment correctly as it relates to discipline, but I don't want the listeners to hear punishment and rod and get from this. Yep, I'm supposed to punish. I'm supposed to. That's that's not what this is about, right? So sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to just make that, that distinction because I know... Um, these are cue words, and really it's about shepherding the heart. Yes, right? and, and thank you for that because, yeah, I, I was kind of thrown around that word, but my point that I'm emphasizing yes. is that parenting is about discipleship. Yes. That's what parenting is about. And so it's not just about knowing how to make your kids do the right thing and not Mm -hmm. do the wrong things. It's about building character and encouraging them and building them up. 
And so my first point to this that I want to emphasize for parents is that you cannot lead your kids further than you have gone. Absolutely. If you are discipling your kids, you cannot take them beyond what you've already been discipled yourself. Mm-hmm. And we see this a lot with parents who have buttons get pushed. Right. You know, when we have issues that we face, we have things that irritate us or things that bring out some of the bad sides in us. That's because we ourselves haven't quite worked through that in our lives. And maybe we're still working through that process. That's okay. We're constantly growing as human beings. But when your kids begin to push those buttons and you find yourself reactive to that, that's a good sign that that's something that you're still working through. And it's going to be hard for you to be able to help your kids deal with that problem if you yourself haven't quite worked through that problem yet. Oh, this is such an ouchy point, right? Yep. Because we as parents, we're going to say like, don't push my buttons. You know, you're pushing me. Mm-hmm. You just crossed the line. Like, is that really about us or is that really about them? But I love how you just brought that back to if your child is pushing your buttons and you find yourself reacting, there's a difference between reacting and responding, right? Yes. Responding means, you know, the taking the pause, getting curious about what's behind the behavior, asking the why, entering their space making sure there's safety. That's the responding. Reacting is just the knee jerk, like, oh no, not in my house kind of thing, which doesn't mean it's okay or permissible. That's not, again, Mm -hmm. that's not what we're saying here. But if your kids are pushing your buttons and you find yourself reacting, it might be time to bring someone else in. I love that. Let me paint a picture that kind of helps maybe with Mm -hmm. some discernment for this. So let's say you have two kids and uh, one of them's older than the other, and they get into a yelling match with each other. They're Mm -hmm, arguing, and then you set them down, and you try and talk it out and work through that process, and you ask maybe the older one, like, why were you yelling? Like, what, what was prompting you? Well, he or she was yelling at me first, and they were doing this to make me angry, and with them being the older one, you would sit and say, okay, You're right about that. It was wrong for them to do that. But also you're older and you know Mm -hmm. that you can maybe control your emotions more or that you know what the right thing is to respond. You could have come and told me about what was happening as the parent. Mm -hmm. You know, you try and and build that up for them to to help them understand, you know, you have the ability to have that greater responsibility. Mm -hmm. Well... Then in turn, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. We talk with parents when they have arguments with their kids, especially teenagers, right? And so the parent says, you know, they were yelling back and they were being so disrespectful and they were doing this and that. And I go, okay, how are you responding to their disrespectful behavior? Right. Well, I might have raised my voice and I might have been yelling and I might have been, you know, like talking sternly to them or saying these things. And so it's a good thing to look at yourself in the mirror when you're saying that. If we're trying to encourage our kids when they are at, you know, using the example, a kid that's older than their younger sibling, if they're at a higher stage of being able to work through mm-hmm. and, and have better conflict resolution skills, then we as parents should hold that same expectation to ourselves. Now, in no way am I saying that we need to be perfect. Right. No parent is going to be perfect and we have our own growth that we need to make. But you can't expect your kids to go further than what you're able to disciple them in yourself. If you're arguing back with your kids, if your kids are pushing your buttons and you're getting angry, which it's okay to get angry with your kids. Right. Feelings are feelings and those are valid. It's what you choose to do with that anger that teaches your kids. And so if you find yourself reacting instead of responding and you're getting you know, emotionally elevated, you're yelling, you're using different, I'll, I'll use the term again, punishment for them. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're giving them a consequence for their actions that is meant to make them maybe feel bad or make them think about what they did. Then that's teaching your kids how to respond to 
to to what you're doing for them. That's teaching your kids how they should respond to what you are doing for them. And oftentimes I see that parents who have some issues with their kids who are like talking back or raising their voice often struggle with that themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's unfair for you to put those expectations on your teenager to, you know, not immediately react and get angry Mm -hmm. when you yourself are having your buttons pushed and you're immediately getting reactive and angry. I hear it all the time, Jared. My kids don't respect me. Yep. And then I say, tell me about sarcasm in your home. Mm Mm-hmm. Because respect is not something they're born with. It's something they see. So they model. And that's another point. It's like, ah, no parent wants to hear that. But if we're just being honest here, kids will model the kind of respect they're seeing. So if you want your kids to respect you, respecting them is important and honoring them is important. And if that's an issue, again, the, the, the question is, well, when do you when do you look for help? If respect is an issue in your home and it's one of your non-negotiables, which a lot of times it is, as it should be, we want to raise children who respect authority, then it might be time to reach out. Yes. And one of my resources later has this really cool graphic in it. This is the book, uh, Love and Respect in the Family by Dr. Egrix. And he has this model called he calls it the family crazy cycle. Now, in mental health, we don't use the term crazy. That's right. just not something that we use because it doesn't help the situation. But he has noticed that there's this pattern of parents want respect from their children. Children want love and affection from their parents and sometimes respect too. Mm-hmm. And parents want love. But it's more about parents want the respect and, and the love. Mm-hmm. And kids want the love and the respect. Mm-hmm. And so what often happens is in that cycle, someone doesn't get what they need. Either kids do something that's disrespectful to parents or parents slip up and don't show enough love to kids. And so then whoever is receiving that lack of their need begins to respond by withdrawing that need from the other. So let's say you've had a stressful week. Let's say that you've been busy with things and you haven't really checked in with your kids that much. And so by the end of the week, you go in, you walk into your kid's room and you say, hey, how are you doing? And they go, fine, I don't want to talk about it. And you immediately in that moment maybe feel disrespected, like, well, I'm trying to care for you. Like, I'm your parent. And then in that moment, maybe you... You say, give me your phone. (laughs) Yeah. You you go to like a consequence strategy or like, you know what? Come out of your room. Like, come downstairs and do that. When really what they're needing in that moment is shown that, that you love them and that you're caring for them. But then they respond with disrespect. So then you're going to withdraw love Mm -hmm. and they're going to continue to withdraw respect. And it's just this downward spiral. No one's getting what they want. Everyone's upset in the situation. And you don't stop that spiral until someone steps in and says, you know what? Despite not receiving what I need from you, I'm not going to take away what I'm supposed to give to you. It's so good. It's so good because as parents, it's our responsibility to model even when we don't feel like it. And our, our buttons will be pushed. Yes. And we will get angry and to pause and remember that it is about discipleship mm-hmm. and uh, it is about giving what it is that we would want in return, whether it's love or respect. Yes. Regardless of how we feel about it. Yeah. And so that's that's a hard point. And again, like what you're saying, we can't we can't take our kids beyond where we are. So if we know we're continually being pushed then that's a sign. It's another sign that it's time to reach out. Yes. If you're struggling with that family crazy cycle, as Mm -hmm. it's called, that is a time to go in and and begin to talk with a counselor and see, you know, maybe map it out and figure out how can we stop this cycle? And it's hard. 
I mean, especially as a parent, to respond with love when receiving disrespect is hard. Very. And that's not saying that you're not going to be giving a consequence for your kids' actions. Right. That's not saying that you're tolerating their disrespect. What you're saying is, I value this relationship enough. I'm not going to let it spiral out of control to where we can get this cycle going again. And then that's the time to parent. Right. You don't want to parent or try and teach a lesson when there's any kind of emotional backlash going on in that moment. Right. In that moment, it's time to call down and stop escalating the situation and then once you guys are able to reconnect like you said in a podcast earlier this month once you're able to reconnect then you can be able to to talk about what happened and give out appropriate consequences right 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 so that's that's the first step is understanding that you can't take your kids further than where you've gone now another thing that could be a sign is say you're doing the right thing say when your kid's yelling at you you're not responding with yelling you're trying to encourage and show them love and they're still responding with right yelling with inappropriate behavior, then that might be a time that, okay, Mm -hmm. something's going on with my kid. They're not talking to me about this. They need help. Then that would be another sign that you need to get your kid into some kind of counseling. You know, and I hear often too, and you might be getting ready to talk about this, but I hear often like, well, how do I quote, get my child to come in? Right. And I, you know, I've already, I've already said therapy isn't a discipline. Therapy isn't a isn't a punishment. It's not a consequence of someone's behavior. Therapy is a tool, just like going to a personal trainer to strengthen your body. Therapy is a tool to help strengthen your emotional regulation and your mental health and your relationships. And so it's a really, you know, I get, I get asked, well, how do I convince them? Or how do you know, it's not, it's, it's making it as normal as going to the doctor. So you go to the doctor for your well visits, you go to the doctor when you're not feeling well, you go to the doctor for preventative measures, you go to your therapist for preventative measures, you go to your therapist when something's not feeling well, you know, it's just, Hey, this is another, you know, this is another, uh, another place to go to get you support, to get us support because we want win-win in our home. Absolutely. So that does kind of lead into my next point. And this one's going to be, I think that this is... Probably the one that we miss the most, but when we recognize it, it helps us kind of coordinate and understand what the point of parenting is a lot better. And that is that you are raising a human being Mm -hmm. and a human being is a very complex creature. You are raising a being that has an agency and will of its own. This is not like raising a dog where you can do like the basic behavior things and get the dog to behave in the way you want it to. This is a person. This is a person who's experiencing real experiences in the world. And so parenting is not just going to be about correcting bad behavior and promoting good behavior Mm -hmm. because there's going to be a lot more going on than that. You can think about helping your kid in a similar way as if you were helping a friend or a family member. You know, you treat them with their own agency. You treat them as being able to make their own decisions. You don't make all of their decisions for them. Now, as parents, you know, when they're younger, you got to make a lot more of their decisions for them. And when they're older in their teen years, you have to make some decisions for them as well because they don't have the best decision-making process. But you want to try to encourage them and empower them to have the right decisions. And so you have to consider how is your teaching having an impact on this complex being? Because simply by providing consequences to their actions and natural outcomes to their decisions, 
doesn't necessarily mean that you're building in them that that wisdom and that that desire to make those right choices. They might just be doing it just for the outcome of it. It's that extrinsic reward of, well, I'm just doing it because I know that it'll be better with my parents. I see this a lot with kids who they're struggling with something and they want to talk to their parents about it, but when they talk to their parents about it, it ends up escalating into some kind of conflict or argument, mostly because it goes down that family crazy cycle again, or sometimes the kids try and talk about it. They don't feel listened to by their parents, and so they shut down from that. And so the the response that I hear from, and this is a really common one, is when I ask them, well, have you talked to like your parents about this? Have you brought it up with them? Well, no, because if I talk to them about it, they're not going to listen and it's going to end up in an argument. Or a lecture. Or a lecture. Yep. It's going to be, a parent's going to use it as a teaching moment or as a fixing moment when it needs to be a listening moment. Mm -hmm. And so, although the kids are doing what the parent wants, like they're not showing their problem, they're behaving, they're following what the parent wants them to do, it's not actually teaching them to do what's healthiest for them. What they're doing is they're withholding that desire to seek out help because it's working out better behaviorally than actually talking about the problem and trying to work through it. So that's a case in which a parent may think everything is going well and they may be delighting and you know, my kid's doing, they're getting their grades up in school and they have a smile on their face all the time and I feel like we're doing well when really that's not what's truly happening. And it's because of the way that the standards and the expectations given in the family has kind of allowed that process to perpetuate. Absolutely. So a, a couple pieces on this. I know there's some, some of Paul's letters have talked about parenting on this. And I think that there's wisdom from this as well. In a collection of verses, Paul's talking about how we should treat one another in the letter to the Ephesians. And this verse here, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You want to try to not parent in a way that is making them feel worse for the things that they're struggling with. The last thing you want to do is make a a kid receive a, a negative consequence to something that they really are struggling with because you'll do two things. One, you'll make them feel bad for having the problem in the first place. And two, you're telling them that when they're reaching out for help or they're trying to get help in some way that that's discouraged because you're giving a negative consequence. I am so glad that you say this because I've heard parents so many times say they use their kid's medication as a weapon. Well, it must be time for your medication again, Mm. right? And all of a sudden, how, how is it to feel on the receiving end? Well, you must be, you better, have you taken your medication today? Like it makes it about the medication. And what do you think that child is going to feel about that medication other than it's a consequence? right? And are they going to be appreciative of that medication because it helps them to regulate? Or are they going to resent the fact that they have to take that, right? So even in that, that when you say, you know, don't... Don't provoke your children to anger. When you say don't provoke your, your children to anger, it's in the use of all behavior, including tools that are supposed to be helpful, you know, like go to your room, it's time for your medication, whatever it is, it's like, Oh, you know, that's so provoking. I'm going to send you away. I'm going to isolate you instead of connect with you and walk with you 
through this behavior, through whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever this, this is a messy nonsense, right? But I'm still going to walk with you. I'm still going to love you through it. But I just want to give a, a, a word of caution to parents, you know, because we're talking about when to reach out for help. It's like, don't use the tools that are here to help you as weapons, whether it's the therapy or the medication. Yes. It's so provoking for a child. Yes. And, and I'll be very specific about that word provoking. I'm not saying don't do things that your kids will react in anger to. Mm-hmm. This is about discernment and knowing what strategies I can do to help my kids and which one is going to provoke them the least to that anger. Mm-hmm. If your kid feels angry and responds in anger, ultimately that's their decision to respond from their emotions that they have. But just as much as your kids know your buttons to push, you know their buttons to push. Right. And you know what's going to make them feel angry versus what's going to help them. Sometimes you have to make decisions that are going to make them feel angry. You know, sometimes they are using their phone irresponsibly and you have to take away the phone and they're all upset and mad about it. Okay. But that's discernment in saying you haven't shown me responsibility and you need to have this consequence so you'll learn to be more responsible and you'll feel better about being responsible with your device versus my kid talked back to me, give me the phone. Right. Because all you're doing is you're saying you can't act that way toward me and I'm going to. I'm going to give a consequence for you acting that way. And that's punishment. That's punishment. Yeah, right. And you do not want to give punishments that have nothing to do with the behavior that's done. Now, if you have the rule in your house and it's like printed off, you guys have went over this or you talk about this on a regular basis, you know, we don't talk back to each other in the house. And if someone talks back, like that could be a, a reason for getting your phone taken away or that could be a reason for receiving a punishment one of those being getting your phone taken away. If that's clearly labeled out, your kid knows what's going to happen with talking back. And what you want to do is try and curve their behavior in that moment or help them help them to understand what's going to happen. If they talk back, you don't have to start with getting, giving that punishment. Um, one of our counselors here, Mike Spencer, has talked about doing redos with kids. Right. You know, you're talking to your kid and maybe they make a sarcastic remark or they make a quick comeback yep. and you say, Hey, that, that felt a little hurtful to me. Like Mm -hmm. I felt disrespected from that. Can we do a redo on that? Like, is there a better way that you could say this back to me? Or it sounds like you're feeling frustrated and upset right now. Is there a better way that you can communicate that to me than just by making this sarcastic remark? Try that again with respect. Exactly. And then you give them the opportunity to make the right decision and show them that it's going to work out better for them than just immediately giving the punishment. Absolutely. That's what I mean by provoking your kids to anger. There's Mm -hmm. a better way to go about responding to the things that you want to help your kids correct than just dishing out punishments every time you feel disrespected. And then... The last point that I want to emphasize, and this one's one because I see this commonly come up in counseling. I think parents are getting better about this. And of course, this is just from my own experience. But you have to understand that your kids are fighting different fights than you did as a kid. That's not meaning that there's no similarity between it. You probably have similar fights. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Everything that we face is generally the same general struggle. But there are going to be some times when your kids are facing things that you don't know how to walk them through. There's going to be some times that your experience dealing with anxiety is not their experience dealing with anxiety. Or your experience dealing with a breakup is their experience dealing with a breakup. And what you want to do is be better about listening and helping them to feel understood in the moment than just about giving them advice and trying to correct their situation for them. Because again, that will do a couple things. One, if you're just giving them an unsolicited advice or trying to fix it for them, then they're not going to feel listened to and they're not going to take your advice. 
and you are invalidating what they're sharing with you and they're not going to want to share anything with you again. So you're just, it's pretty much when you don't understand what it is that they're experiencing or their experience is different. And so you're not able to relate to it. That's right. a good time to reach out. Yeah. that is, And that's what counselor or therapist can be for. We are professionals at listening and helping people to feel understood. We haven't walked through every situation with the clients that we serve here at Care to Change. And yet when someone walks in with maybe a unique circumstance, we're still there to sit with them, to listen to them, and to help them work through their situation. That's what they need to get through that. Because when you empower them to make their own decisions, that's going to teach them how to make those right decisions. And that's not without guidance. Like There's going to be some guardrails Mm -hmm. for different decisions, especially given just kind of your kid's developmental level, you have to provide different guardrails. But generally speaking, you want to encourage those right decisions versus just making them for them. And especially the older your kid gets, the more that you've made decisions for them, the more they're going to be dependent on you making the right decisions for them. Right, right. I think it's important to remember that therapists aren't friends. Yes. Right, to to the kids. And so we we work to build a rapport with them but we're here to understand their experience and maybe have hard conversations even with parents about their experience as well. And so that's a really important. I, I want to add to this because you're bringing up a good point that made me think of it too when you're talking about the provoking and about raising them. You know, the emotions are the same that we experience as children, but the methods are different. When I was raised, there weren't there weren't cell phones. Yeah. So I, I can't raise my kids the way I was raised because there's this age of technology that I didn't grow up with. Yeah. And so I have to raise them differently. The emotion is all the same, you know, grief, sadness, anger, loss, jealousy, you know, friendship issues. Those are the same, like you yes. said, nothing new. But some of the things are different. And those things that I can't understand, and I and and for parents to know we can't be everything mm-hmm. and know everything for our kids. You know, we're not God. And so there are times when it's okay and and really encouraged to say, I'm going to reach out to someone else. And this is another reason to why to reach out. If your child's not listening to you and you're saying it over and over, it's a good time to reach out, right? Because yes. just like, you know, an aunt or an uncle might say, say something and you're like, I've told you that 12 times and now you're going to listen. A therapist can, can act in that role as well. Another point here is if you're at the point as a parent, because I'm thinking about an earlier podcast we did this month about it's never too late, right? Yes. And so sort of ending with that, you know, if you're at the point as a parent and you're saying, or you know that you feel resentful about your child's behavior, or maybe you just don't like them, and that's a hard thing to say, but I know there are parents who have said, I, I don't like them. Yes. And I'm resentful of them. I can't stand the behavior. And it's been going on so long that I'm as a parent more frustrated. It's time to reach out. And it's not too late, right? Right. It's not too late. The other thing I want to I want to say is not every therapist is for every child. Thank you for saying that. Right. So if you've tried before and you've said, well, I tried it with my child and it didn't work. Try again with a different therapist. Yes. You know, I'm trying to work with kids, but I'm not for every child. I'm not going to connect with every child. And it's important to advocate to find the person, A, that loves working with your age group. Because no matter what people say, they don't want to work with every age and stage. That's not the way we were wired. We were wired to be passionate about certain ages and stages and issues. And that's okay. Find the therapist 
that loves the age that your child is in and maybe has experience working with that issue, has specific training and also shares those values with you. Otherwise, you're just taking them to a place and it might not be a good experience for them or for you, right? And so this is an investment. So find the right therapist as well. Yes. And your kid is a human being. Mm -hmm. They are going to have resistance to going to therapy. I'd say a majority of the time, the the clients that I see, you know, the kids and teens that come in that are resistant at first, after one session, they become more open right. to sticking with it and going right. through. But on occasions, every now and then, I get a teen that does not want to be there. Right. And you can't find success in therapy if you're not willing to right. actually go through it yourself. So you might run into that issue as a parent is, you know, your kid needs therapy. You've called them, you've set up the appointment and your kid just doesn't want to go. Or they'll go, but they won't talk about anything. Right. Find a different therapist. Find a different therapist. Right. Find someone that it works for them. And hopefully with time, you'll be able to find someone that they just connect really well with. Right. And I try and let clients know that the first session is, uh, I read a statistic and this might be an older statistic. So there might be new data out there, but about 60% of the predictability of a successful counseling experience is completely dependent on the relationship that one has with their therapist. Truth. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what they're using in, in counseling. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. It doesn't matter. It, I mean, even if you adjust for like age and gender and, you know, anything like that, just whether or not, yes or no, you feel like you have a good relationship with your therapist will make or break your therapy experience. Absolutely. So what resources do you want to leave with the, with the parents who are listening? So I talked about Love and Respect in the Family by Dr. Egricks earlier. That's a really good one. He has a lot of series of Love and Respect, but that one particularly focuses on parents and kids. And I think that there's a lot of good material in there. And that's where we got that family crazy cycle. And he has a lot of suggestions for how to get that turned around. The second one is axis.org, A-X-I-S. This is a website, Christian-based website, that creates conversation kits for parents to have with their kids. So this is material for discipleship. This is how you can talk to your kids about important topics. They usually focus on like, uh, common big cultural topics, things to talk about, but also some of the more uh, menial stuff, some of the stuff that's normal for your kids' development and for them to have conversations about. And these conversation kits, they're really inexpensive. I think they're like somewhere around $10 each, but it comes with material to talk about, to uh, discussion questions to have with your kids and just to get them thinking and get them to have some of that agency in themselves to make those right decisions. And then the last one is one that I refer to a lot, Focus on the Family. They have a lot of great content online. They have articles, podcasts, book recommendations, all kinds of stuff. Again, Christian-based, and I think that they can equip parents quite a bit to know, especially when to get your kid help. And then um, depending on the listener, and where you're living at, like you can go to focus on the family and they have a, a referral for counselors on there. Yep. Yep. And so they can give you referrals. I mean, if you are within distance of care to change, like you can, we're on there, you can definitely come to us. Or if there's another fit or um, you live in a different part of the country or the world, they should be able to get you recommendations for that. Absolutely. Well, Jared, as always, thank you. I know when it comes to uh, your relationship with your child and your child's mental health. There is a line between doing what you can, bringing your best self, you know, to the table, but also knowing when it's time to reach out. And that's really why we're here. So thank you for outlining so many of the different reasons. And it doesn't have to be all of the reasons. It can just be one of the reasons, right? So right. thanks for joining us, Jared. And if you all have a question, you're not sure, is it the time you're still wondering, 
you probably know, but feel free to reach out to us. Email us at help at caretochange.org. We've got the care line phone number in the show notes as well. So please reach out to us. We're here for you. Yeah. May I put a plug in there as well? If you're a parent and you're struggling to get your kid into counseling, come in for a consultation session. Absolutely. We'll meet with you. We'll talk about what options there are. Sometimes just meeting a counselor for the first time and describing that to your kid might be helpful for you. And if it doesn't fit in your schedule or you can't find a time to come into the office, we have video sessions or telehealth options where we can just chat and just talk about how we can help you. Absolutely. And, you know, I would encourage parents to look at our website and to read uh, our blog. We have so many um, blog posts about parenting as well. So I would encourage parents to do that. All righty, you guys, thank you for listening. Next month is May. We're going to be shifting gears from parenting into Mental Health Awareness Month. And so we're going to be talking about what mental health is and anxiety and depression and when to see a therapist, something similar, but focused specifically on mental health. So thank you all for joining us. And until I see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.